Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry bringing you the Word of God. Again, always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. So grateful that you're connecting with us. Once again, we're going to jump right back into Psalms 34, our midweek uh, uh, series, I should say. Uh, we're talking about God is, praise God. And we're going to uh, bring out our key verse here. Verse 8 of Psalms 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, praise God. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him, praise God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, praise God. Now, this word taste and see means to perceive and experience it. That's what God wants you to do. Not only perceive it, not only get some insight, some understanding, but also experience the goodness of God. And really, this whole series about God is is all really kind of kind of spins off of this, the fact that God is just, just good, and He's good all the time, praise the Lord. So basically everything we've brought out through this series, we've probably done, I don't know, we might be pushing close to a dozen messages in this uh, series. And uh, we've been talking many things about, you know, merciful, and He's faithful, and He's able to do, and He's good. Today we're going to talk about the fact that God is my God. God is our God. Amen. It's personal. Praise God. And what we're going to do, we're going to go, uh, we might stay primarily on the Old Covenant today just because of some of the uh, key references and stuff. Uh, I'm going to go to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15, please. Exodus 15. I had some other things in mind today to do, uh, but I just felt in my heart uh, the Spirit put something on my heart to do, and so I kind of dove into it, and I felt like this is, this is what God would have for us today. And what we have in context here, this is Moses, the Song of Moses, a lot of times they call it. Uh, they're singing and celebrating after the fact that they walked through uh, the sea that opened, okay, the Red Sea parted, they all went through. Here come the Egyptians, and uh, of course, uh, the sea closed in on them. So now we have this song of the Lord, so to speak. And uh, I'm just going to read the first couple verses of it. It says, and Moses, uh, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has, uh, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is, here we go, my strength and song. He has become my salvation he is my God, there it is, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. In other words, he's the God of my fathers. And of course, in context, not primarily talking about his own, he's talking about primarily of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a lot of times referred to our, their fathers of their faith. So anyway, uh, my father's God, and I will exalt him. In other words, my God, or my father's God, Amen. So he's saying in this verse here, prior to that, he is my God, amen, and I will praise him. You notice a lot of this in here, my strength, uh, my salvation, my God, making it very personal, amen. And this is exactly what it's about. So anyway, let's, let's define uh, what it says here, my God, what that actually means. Referring to, uh, referring to something being personal, all right, uh, something individualized, okay, uh, something individualized to you. Now, it's not saying that, that you determine who God is. What it's talking about is how God meets you where you're at. That's what it's mean uh, as far as individualized. In other words, something personal with you, something individualized. It also means something intimate, okay? This word here is referring to something up close, up close and, uh, you know, like an up close friendship, 
something face to face. In fact, you'll notice in the scriptures that Moses is referred to a man who communicates with God as he would a friend face to face. Praise God. Amen. So Moses understood this relationship. Many of our patriarchs of faith did understand that. Praise God. You know, many of them like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Joshua. Uh, we see the prophets like, uh, you know, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha. You know, we see Solomon and David, um, Jehoshaphat, Nehemiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. We go on and on and on. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jesus himself, uh, Paul, Peter, John, these are all men and women who referred to God on a personal, um, you know, more of a personal, intimate way where they received Him uh, as their God. They received Him as their God. Amen. Hallelujah. They, many times the Scripture says that they walked with God, which really just means they conversed with God. Uh, it actually literally means small talk. Amen. They became a friend and would commune and fellowship, small talk with God. Amen. Uh, many times these uh, patriarchs of faith are referred to as ones that referred to God as a living God. Amen. Which means, uh, again, somebody that you, know, you can relate with, somebody you can connect with. Amen is what it means. Now, this word here, my God, uh, being personal, being intimate, this is what it's not. Okay. It means it's something that's not distant. Okay. Not separate or remote. Uh, not far off or far apart or detached. Uh, not something that's uninvolved, cold, or here's another word, disaffection, okay? Now, the reason I think this is so important is because He's your God. It needs to be something personal. It needs to be something intimate, amen. Uh, he's not something that's far off. Many times what happens in a child of God is they, they don't recognize the, the intimacy they can have with their God. They don't recognize what they have at their disposal with just a relationship with the one that created it all. Amen. The one that created the ends of the earth, that put every star in its place, that put every planet uh, in its place. Are you hearing me? That made the body the way he did. Amen. The one that designed all of it, praise God, is one that wants to fellow and commune uh, and be your friend, praise God. Now, many of these patriarchs of faith, there's different statements made about him. Abraham, for instance, okay, he says he was the friend of God. Amen. David said, uh, the scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. Amen. These are statements that recognize the fact that these men uh, and women, because there's a lot of women in here that have that same kind of relationship, amen, but they all uh, recognize that God was personal. Amen. And you'll notice that every one of them did great things. In fact, the scripture says in Daniel uh, chapter 11, verse 32, that the people who know their God shall, do, or shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Amen. Let me say it again. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And boy, isn't that the truth. The ones that became intimate with God, that communed with God, that fellowship, that had that relationship with God, seemed to walk in, in a way that m most people didn't. All right, They seemed to carry out and do great things that a lot of others didn't. And a lot of times it just came down to that very thing of the fact that they understood, amen, that the God of the whole uh, universe, the creator of it all, praise God, amen, wants to connect personally, amen, with them. And they understood that, praise God. The scripture says this in Psalms 46. Uh, the psalmist said, verse 10, he said, Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Be still 
and know that I'm God. And what he's talking about here is don't let everything else overwhelm you. Be, be still, be separate from all that and come to know that he's God, amen, that he's your source, that he's your answer, praise God. And I think that is so key uh, when we're talking about, especially through this series, getting to know that God is good and good all the time. How's that going to happen? By you receiving him, amen, as your God, amen. Now let's back up here a little bit again. Uh, again in Exodus 15, you know, he, he refers to God, this is Moses now, refers to God as his God, amen. M Moses takes it personal, amen. Now I want to go to um, Deuteronomy now, you remember the first several books uh, Moses uh, recorded and wrote down. And this is, again, something that was uh, Moses is behind this, okay. And uh, chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, and the first couple verses. Now, I want to, um, I want to bring this out. Now, this, is, of course, is talking about the blessing, and then it goes in talking about the curse, and we've had a lot of this that comes up in a lot of our teaching. Uh, but I want you to, I want you to hear... Uh, this first couple verses in the light of some of the things we're talking about today. And it might, it might allow this thing to kind of open up a little bit more for you. Uh, verse 1 and 2 of Deuteronomy 28, and it just says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His command and utterances, which I've commanded you uh, Today, In other words, all the things that Moses walked them through, the law, the different things like that. But he says that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. Now, many times we just kind of focus in on obeying the voice, which is all important, okay? That's, that's key, okay? That, that really is the difference between you walking in the blessing and the curse. But you notice something, it's about making it personal. He keeps referring to the fact, see, Moses understood this. He said, he's my God, but see, you need to make him your God, amen? And so he says, obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Make it personal, so then when you start thinking about the voice, okay, now, uh, you know, I took time and I've looked up, you know, the word voice, but it just means something communicated, obviously, something verbalized, expressed, or shared, okay? But what it's talking about is God wants to share or communicate with you on a personal level. When you really look at this, this is, this is, the, this is what makes the blessing work in your life, amen, is by receiving what he says and then walking it out. But you notice to receive it, you have to receive him as your God. In other words, make this personal. Make this intimate. The blessing is not complicated. Okay, getting the blessing to work in our lives is not complicated. It really just comes down to receiving, amen, uh, the voice of the one who wants to fellowship with you on a personal level. And all you need to do is grab hold of that and receive that. Um, Some time back, the Spirit of God said this. Here's the key. Focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have. And when you stop and you look at this now about the blessing and everything that the blessing has to offer, he's saying this, you know, don't chase after the blessing per se, chase after me. See, focus on what you do have. And he says, I'm at your disposal. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. Amen. And we're going to see a few references that's going to show that. Amen. You know, you think about the walk that Jesus had, okay? 
Jesus understood that I can't of myself do nothing. He says, but as I hear, I say, and as I see, I do. In other words, he's talking about the whole thing in context. He's talking about the fact that what I have grabbed hold of and what I, res- what I take hold of is what I do have. And I have the Father who wants to commune with me. I grab hold of what I do have, and when I do that, everything else takes care of itself. All right? Now, you think about everything. I even, you know, break down maybe in a sense uh, when you th- see things like, um, uh, let's look at it maybe Jesus feeding the, the 4,000 or feeding the 5,000. We see different references like that. And, uh, you know, he takes a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and the Word says he lifts it up before God, he blesses it, and he has the disciples then begin to distribute it out. Uh, in both these occurrences here, we see where they're distributing, all of a sudden, you know, there's a magnificent miracle. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that the disciples, up to that moment, were focusing on everything they didn't have. Well, if we could go to the store and buy enough bread, if we, you know, had enough of this, we could have done, if we, if we had enough money, we could maybe go buy. I mean, they're always focusing on the fact of what they didn't have. Jesus focused on what he did have, all right? And what he did have, amen, was first and foremost a God who provides, and he understood. When you even think about when Jesus made statements like, not my will, but your will be done. When you start looking at that and really start diving into that, you see that Jesus had a total understanding of what and who he had. Amen. He had a father. Amen. My God. Amen. Hallelujah. He made it very personal. My God. Amen. Will provide. My God will deliver. So what he did have was a God. Amen. Who could handle the rest of it. So he held on to who he had. He said, I can't of myself do nothing. I can't do do this on my own. So I connect to the one who can. And all he's asking is for you to do the same thing. You know, uh, years ago, um, I took some time, you know, looking at different things about David and Solomon and, and how Solomon, you know, uh, you know, took over some things in, uh, you know, the ministry that, you know, basically the kingship, everything that, that David had. And David understood the fact of who he was and who his God was. And his God began to communicate to him. And, uh, you know, David uh, wanted to build God a temple. You know, wanted to do something, you know, supernatural, something huge and big and something uh, elaborate for God. And uh, God had asked him not to, you know. And uh, he said that, uh, no, you got, you know, basically because of the fact that your hand has seen war. There's blood on your hands. And so I don't, I, I don't want you to build me a temple. I want, I want your son to build me a temple. And uh, there's some references. And First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 20, we see where David's communicating with Solomon. And he says, uh, and David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. In other words, go build this, this work here and do not fear nor be dismayed. Here we go. For the Lord God, and then he said this, my God, the Lord God, my God, makes it clear, my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Now that was what he said to Solomon. But later on, you get into the second, uh, you know, book of, of uh, uh, you know, Second Chronicles, and you see in chapter two where now well, Solomon now is taking this and running with it. And Solomon says this. Then later, he said, "Behold, I am building a temple for the name of the Lord." And then he said this: 
my God, to dedicate it to him. And it goes on to, do, to offer sweet incense and, and burnt offerings and on and on it goes. But the bottom line is what he said. He, you notice Solomon then took it and said, it's no longer just about my dad's God. It's now my God. See, Solomon made it personal, and Solomon went on to do some great things. Now, he might have had a few ups and downs here and there, obviously, but the bottom line is uh, these men and women who took God uh, personal as their intimate, their personal, amen, God, my God, amen, something about it, they were able to do things, amen, that the normal person, you know, wouldn't do. Listen, if you could see and receive things that the normal person cannot see or receive, amen, you can do more than the normal person could ever do. And how does that work? How does that happen? By an intimate relationship with the God who's the source of all of it, praise God. The one that does provide and heals and delivers. The one, praise God, who made it all. The one who's full of wisdom and peace and joy. And we can go on and on and on of everything that comes out of, amen, the time spent uh, with God on a personal level, praise God. Not seeing God as something distant, something far off, something way out there, something that you can't relate with, amen. But begin to see, a, uh, see your God as one that's personal, one that you can relate with, praise God, and commune with, praise God. Now, a lot said. I kind of took a little rabbit trail with all that. Let's go, uh, let's see. So we did Deuteronomy here, hallelujah. I want to, um, I want to go to, uh, let's go to Psalms now. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalms, let's go to Psalms 23. And I, I thought this was, it would be uh, a good one here now. Uh, some of these, I'm going to read a few different Psalms here and references out of the Psalms, uh, mostly be what David did. David really had, a, uh, really had a, uh, an understanding of intimacy with God. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't still have challenges, didn't mean he still, you know, made a mistake or two here and there. Obviously, he did. Um, David's life wasn't perfect by any means, uh, but he did understand, amen, a God who loved him, a God who was with him, a God that was for him. And as he tried to communicate to his son, amen, that my God will take care of you, praise God. My God will do everything that's needed to make this thing work, amen. And later on, the cool thing about it was Solomon got a hold of it and said, no, he's also my God. Amen. Praise God. And I'm hoping you're hearing this and uh, thinking the same thing. He's not only Pastor Jerry's God. Amen. He's my God. Amen. Now, I was looking at Psalms 23, and I thought this was a good, um, maybe kind of fits in this. You know, when you think about, uh, we, you know, we just came out of Deuteronomy 28, and you think about how a God that provides, uh, you know, the blessings, uh, you know, at your disposal, but it's, it's talking about making him your God. And what you're doing is you're, you're receiving, you're hearing, you're following. And that's really what it's about. So now you look at Psalms 23 on the light in, pardon me, in the light of what we've been talking about. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Makes it very personal. He's my shepherd. And I shall not want or shall not lack is what that word means. I'll have no lack because he's my shepherd. All right. He's not something distant out there. Something I can't be personal. He's my shepherd. Amen. Hallelujah. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. And see, the shepherd, see, he's my shepherd, and my shepherd wants to communicate with me and lead me, guide me, direct me, 
empower me. You know, when you think about this, and again, maybe another rabbit trail, but I think it fits. Um, you know, you see like in, uh, you know, Matthew 6, and he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, and all these other things will be added to you. And of course, in context, it's talking about all the things that the Gentiles seek after. You know, there's all that's out there that they seek after. He says, listen, if you will seek me, all that comes to you. You seek me and everything out there begins to seek you. And see, to me, it fits in the same thing. He's my shepherd. He's going to guide me and direct me. He's going to make sure that I'm going to lie down in the right fields. I'm going to partake of the right fields. Amen. I'm going to, he goes on and says, uh, he not only leads me beside the still waters, but he says that he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, okay, for his namesake. Now, this is all just Psalms 23, and we're talking about how when you recognize the fact that he's my shepherd, he's my God, he's my shepherd, amen, and my God will never turn his back on me, never forsake me. Amen. I don't have to fear. I don't have to be, uh, you know, dismayed. I don't have to come under any kind of anxiety or stress because I have a God that's always with me. And if I will seek what I do have, amen, if I will focus on what I do have, everything else takes care of itself. And what I do have is a God who's with me, my God who's with me. He goes on to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, listen. For you are with me. How does he know that? Well, because he's got this relationship with his shepherd. Come on now. Your rod and your staff are there to comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't have to fear any enemy. I know you're going to take care of me no matter what I'm up against. Well, how does he know that? Well, he's got that personal relationship with his shepherd, praise God. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Praise God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How does he know that goodness and mercy are going to follow him all the days? Because he has this intimate personal relationship with a God that he refers to in this text anyway as my shepherd. He makes it personal. Amen. There is nothing I just feel in my heart, okay, I, maybe I'm a little bit biased in some of this stuff, but I tell you, I, I believe with all my heart, this is probably one of the greatest keys that any Christian could ever have, amen, is a working relationship, an intimacy with their God, amen, where they see God as their God. Because it seems like everything else seems to work when you have a revelation of the fact that he's your God. Amen. Well, you're not just seeing him as the God of, you know, maybe some great individual that you respect and look up to. Uh, you know, he's, well, obviously he's, he's got a good relationship with his God. Well, how about you having a relationship with your God? And that was kind of, again, back to this thing when you see with uh, the relationship that Jesus had, the relationship that David had. Amen. These guys understood intimacy with their God. They communed and fellowshiped with him. Amen. As a result of it, carried out great exploits, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's look at another psalm here. Let's look at Psalms uh, 18. Kind of back up a few here. Psalms 18. Hope you're hearing this today. Hallelujah. Psalms 18. And again, let's just read maybe a, the first few verses here. Again, it's a psalm of David. Verse uh, 1, 2, and 3. Let's do that. 
And it says this, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Now get a hold of this. Every bit of this is talking, making it personal. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. My, uh, look at this, my deliverer, my God, amen, there it is, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. How can a man, like with everything he'd been up against, and think about the revelation that he had, the fact that, you know, God's got his back. How does that happen? How does anybody become that, um, maybe that confident in the fact that God has always got their back? There's only one way, really, and that is an understanding of a personal relationship with a God that you've received Him, amen, as your God. Amen. I, I made mention of this earlier, but many of these references of these patriarchs, it said that they were ones who walked with God. And literally means to walk alongside, to converse. And as I said earlier, it means small talk. Literally means just to carry on, talk to, commune with as a friend. Like Moses uh, was a man that talked to him face to face. Amen. Uh, like a friend would talk face to face. Amen. Uh, Abraham, the friend of God. Amen. David, a man after God's own heart. Amen. How do these things, how do statements like that, now why are they made? Well, it's because these are men who understood, uh, you know, the, the working relationship with their God. Amen. They made it very personal. Let's look at another one. Let's look at Psalm 63. We'll probably go to a lot of different ones here, but let's look at it here. Again, verse 1, 2, and 3. And again, it's a psalm of David. He said, oh God, you are my God. I love this. He just makes it personal. You're my God. Amen. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary, okay, in the house of God, the temple of God, to see, the, uh, to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. I love this. My lips shall praise you. I love it. Your loving kindness. That word actually is covenant kindness. It's hasid. is the Hebrew word. But it just, he says that it's better than life itself. In other words, my life is nothing without that re working relationship that I have with you. And you kind of go back up to that first verse. And he just says, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. And what it's talking about is bringing out of the fact that he understands that without that working relationship and that intimacy, that personal walk that I have with my God, nothing else matters. Now, that's exactly what Jesus was bringing out when he says, I can of myself do nothing. He understood that I have really nothing without that working relationship, that intimacy, that, that being able to hear a voice Amen. To follow that kind of voice. Amen. The God, amen, who created it all is communicating with me right now, leading me in what I should do and what I should say and how I should react and whether I go here, go there. All of that came out of a working relationship and intimacy with their heavenly father. Amen. Making him, amen, a very 
personal God with themselves. Amen. He is my God. Amen. And this is exactly what David understood. That's why he longed for that intimacy, that relationship with God. Now you start seeing why God said he's a man. Talking about David now. He's a man after my own heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because he always is looking to me as his source. Praise God. Let's look at another one. Psalms 91. And I don't know, maybe this, maybe we'll end with this today. Just kind of, I think I've kind of made my point, but I, I kind of was hoping, um, and, and whether we'll get through this whole thing or not, I, I was kind of thinking maybe we would. I wouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time on it. I just kind of want to bring out, again, showing you uh, how uh, so many great things that we, we, we look at, so many great promises in the Word. And Psalms 91 is a great one because it talks about, a, you know, it's basically a psalm of protection. But you kind of look at the beginning of this and you see why the man of God. And again, I believe, I believe this is uh, a psalm of David. Now, I could be wrong on that, but I was believing this one, too, was a psalm of David. And if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But, I'm, but regardless, the psalmist here, we'll just say it that way, understood something. It says, he who dwells, this is verse 1 of Psalms 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. All right, he's talking about an intimate place, okay? And if you recall even Jesus talking about the model prayer, if you kind of back up a few verses, and he's talking about the power of prayer, and he's talking about uh, that intimate place, that going into that secret place, amen, going into that place, uh, shutting out all the distractions and communicating and communing with the one, amen, who can lead you, the one who knows it all. Amen. The one that knows what everything that's around every turn that's ahead. Amen. And that's what he's talking about here. He who dwells, amen, remains or continues, abides. Amen. In other words, not just some casual, uh, you know, acquaintance here. He's talking about somebody becoming intimate with. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, here we go, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's talking about divine protection here. And then he said this, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Amen. See, this is why Psalms 91 works. Amen. This is why you can stand on this kind of promise. Amen. Because you understand the fact that you have a God that's with you. How do you know that? How does that come alive? Because you have an intimate personal relationship. You dwell in that secret place. You commune with God. You fellowship with God personally. Amen. And as a result of it, God begins to lead, guide, direct, as we've seen in Deuteronomy 28. We see uh, through most of them Psalms we, we already read. And you see it even right here. He says, then surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. In other words, he's guiding you and directing you so you don't have to fall in the pitfalls and the traps of the enemy. And he shall cover you. With his feathers and under his wings uh, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Amen. And you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. When you stop and you look at all these and you, you, know, you break these all down, you can see all the different things that the enemy tries to war against an individual to try to somehow bring them under fear, bring them under torment, bring them under some kind of distress or just stress, okay, mental anguish, whatever. But the point being is 
How do you get free? How do you walk away where none of that can affect you? How can you walk in the midst of all that kind of stuff and still be in a place of peace and joy and comfort and strength? Why? Because you have a relationship with a God. Amen. You have an intimacy, a personal walk with God. Amen. Communing, walking with Him, fellowshipping with Him. Praise God. Face-to-face communion. Hallelujah. And as a result of it, praise God. A lot of this stuff now is like water off a duck's back. Can't even affect you. Why? Because you know that you have a God who's with you. It says, it goes on, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. In other words, just like I've done this, now you're doing this and you're getting the same results that I'm getting because you're making him personal, praise God. Even the most of your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. What a, what a bunch of great promises here. In his hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Just because of all the fact that you know you have a God that's with you and his whole angelic host right now is standing, hallelujah, with you, praise God, all of this. Now look at this, verse 14, and then it's like it's an answer coming from God. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. And all this is talking about that intimacy, that fellowship, that communion. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now the whole, I love this psalm because of that. Amen. Here it's saying is because you're looking to me, become intimate with me, making me your, your God. Amen. Something personal as a result of it. Your personal God is looking out for you. Your personal God now has got your back. Praise God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. Praise God. You don't have to be uh, in fear. You don't have to become dismayed. Hallelujah. You don't have to be stressed or stressed out about anything because you have a God that's with you. This is why it's so important, amen, to make things personal with your God. Don't see God as something far or distant, something out there that's something that's untouchable, something that you can't, uh, you know, that Carly can relate with, amen, make God personal in your life. Now, I thought this was important to feed this into the series because of some things maybe are coming up here, but I just felt in my heart today, amen, this was something I needed to share, that, that He is your God. He is my God. Amen. He's our God. Amen. Personal. Hallelujah. Intimate. Amen. I hope you got something today. Father, I give you praise and glory once again for your word. We're so thankful, Lord God, for these principles. We're so thankful for the fact that you are our God, our personal God, that we can become intimate with you. And we give you praise and glory. Amen. For that uh, ability to be able to connect with you, to draw near to you, knowing that you will always draw near to us. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Child of God. I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash 
WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Word of Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.